back to the protectors podcast tonight i am joined by a very special guest brian christopher shea good friend but before we get to our podcast let's talk about osd outperform serve and develop they are the sponsoring the protectors podcast and i've recently became a member i am their director of corporate philanthropy so check that out check out osd give them a support that they much well deserved so brian now we can get back and uh, one thing I, we have to laugh is because I think I did this intro like what four times now. <laughs> it's good. This this thing is live. I think you should put them all in. Let it all happen. I think I should just go live, live all the time. <laughs> Screw it. You know, people exactly. want it. They want to see the so, real. Brian, let's talk. Let's talk about you. You were the guest of the hour. You've had all a right. storied law enforcement career, and you are now an author. So let's talk a little bit about your background. So I. Uh, I did the military thing uh, initially out of college, and uh, I have kind of a weird military progression, but I, I commissioned infantry in the Army after completing ROTC, and then uh, did an inter-service transfer to Navy, and then and then did my uh, the brunt of my four years in Naval service, and uh, finishing off with a, a Gulf deployment there before, just before 9-11, and then uh, got out and... Uh, Kind of, I, I took a, a different direction. I did the law enforcement route uh, about four years in Texas, taught school for five years, and then <laughs> jumped back into law enforcement here in the Northeast. So um, I did it for an additional eight here in uh, in, in the Northeast and, and uh, kind of a varied experience. And, and then I got a wild hair in my ass and I uh, penned uh, a couple books uh, two years ago. I, I, or, well, actually, yeah. Uh, I, I put out three books in a year and then while I was working full time as a detective and then things started to take and, and I made the, the decision uh, this past March to, to, to take writing on full time. And that's yeah, what and I do we, now. We've talked before. I mean, yeah. someday we're going to our show that we uh, we talked about law enforcement <laughs> stress and everything else like that is going to yeah. be published out there. Hint, hint, Kyle, law enforcement today. But the thing <laughs> is, you, that that is one thing you could tell in your writing is that it it is connected to your police work. So let's yeah, just I mean, dive right yeah. into that and how it, how it kind of progressed into that. Yeah, so, I mean, I think it started, um, you know, my, my story that I kind of retell is like I, I always had an idea for, for a, a story um, kind of highlighting uh, – the country's weakness in regards to like domestic or, or not even domestic, any type of terror attack, but on venues that were basically soft targets, it really would be very difficult to harden. And so the original concept for what became my first book, which is now uh, titled Kill List, um, had been playing around in my head for, for I don't know, I'd say almost like 20 years and then it just kind of got pushed to the forefront when I was working um, in child sex crimes and, and I needed an outlet and and the typical police outlet I don't think is, is super healthy right you know drinking or mm. or whatever and so I mean I'm not saying I don't drink I, I have my wine right here to my right but I'm, I, but 
you know, within reason. And, and, um, I just needed an outlet. My teenager said, um, write this, you need to write this story. And, uh, and then it just started happening. I kept that promise and I showed her, you know, I would put, put it, put the words down on paper. And then that, and then I really found that I fell in love with the writing process. <clears throat> and I know you've written and you know how like cathartic that experience can be. You can put, uh, and, and the great thing about fiction is I can put some truth in it and then twist it up. Um, but yeah, it became this huge outlet for me. And then I just fell in love with it. And I said, I think I can make a real go at it. And I push forward. And so now my writing is my biggest connection to my love, which is my military uh, brethren and, and my, my law enforcement brothers and sisters. You know, I, I still that's how I connect back with them, you know, so I try to keep that authenticity in the words and the stories that I create and the characters and the, and the things that happen. And so hopefully that comes through. You know, I'm glad you brought up the connection part because, you know, you know, I've been out of the military now for, geez, when did I get back from the war? 2006. Yeah. Do some math on my fingers. So it's been a bunch of years. You're, you're 25, bro. <laughs> yeah, man. 25. <laughs> but i've been an leo for 20 years man and it's like yeah. you have these connections like you st i still have that same connection to the military even though it feels like a different life ago but yeah I I, yeah it. yeah no go ahead man i was no i was gonna say yeah, the same thing i mean i mean you know i, I just I, I was doing something on linkedin earlier today and i, I <laughs> a buddy of mine we commissioned together he did his 20 and got out as a colonel i saw a picture of him you know and he's doing some some stuff, uh, uh, you know, civilianized, but w w tied in with like special. I, I saw his face and I was like, it was just, you know what I mean? Like a thousand memories come back and you're like, God, man, it's so good. I immediately sent him an email, dude, great beard. <laughs> you know, you look great. <laughs> like a savage asshole. And, and I just thought, you know, that, that's a, there's some, it's, it's an intangible, but anybody that served knows that feeling and that connection. Um, and, and, and law enforcement has a lot of that same, you know, th that same tie, you know. Uh, and so recently I, I spent last week teaching. I still teach around the state law enforcement. And I taught uh, at a room of 23 cops and I had them for five days. And it was a lot of story sharing. And and, uh, and I loved it. I love that. Like I loved I call it touching the source. You know, you get back in there. And as a writer, you know, some writers have to go out and research. I mean, I do my level of research, obviously, depending on storyline or, or, or certain things I'm doing. But um, like for me, it's it's reaching back to those people that are still there doing it. I mean, I'm still pretty fresh to it. But, you know, guys like you and that are out there, you're going to have a different perspective and you're going to have that. And, and I try to bring that back in. You know, after I have a conversation, I'm like, God, that would make a great little element to a story. You know, so it's kind of a neat, yeah, a neat you aspect. To, you have to keep a foothold in it. You know, because I do the same thing, but I, I write mostly nonfiction now, and I'm trying to eventually I'm going to branch out into the fictional world. But yep. I need to stay current, man. And it's the same thing with you. If you're, you're, you're everything you see now is like research project for you. So you're always keeping those little like bits and pieces in your, uh, your toolkit. I hate saying that toolkit crap, but no, it's the same. No, it's, you know, it's, you're you're keeping it on your bookshelf. How's that? <laughs> right, right. No, it's true. I mean, you get. You know, it's funny. The further you're away from it as time and in actual physical distance uh and the, and the reason i say that is so my my buddies out west in texas um you know i, I forget the stories and some of the things because it's been obviously there's been a gap in time 
Um, I left uh, Texas in uh, 2006, and uh, but I, I went I went back out there a few years ago. And as soon as I got into the Austin area and uh, met back up with the stories came back, and, and you drive the streets and mm-hmm. the memories come back, right? And you're like, oh my god, I remember this? And um, but I think it's important to do that. I think it's super important. Uh, I think that, that that's what I you know authors that have I, I know a a couple guys. Um, you know Bruce Coffin, right? Yeah. Didn't didn't you do something with him? Uh, he, he writes out of Maine, Portland, Maine. I thought you did. So, uh, you connected with him, I think. I think so. You uh, he probably done <laughs> six thousand interviews, but you know he's he's one of those guys. Been a cop for years, and and then he retired, and, and he and he writes. And he writes out of the Portland, Maine, but he knows the job, right? And he's mm-hmm. stay, stays in touch with that community, and and people can smell that in the writing. They could feel it. Yeah. Um, you know where I, I run into an issue as a writer of fiction, and, and in particular crime fiction, is people have been groomed by uh, non-cop writers to, to have the tie-up and happy ending. Yeah. Right? And, and they, they want that. And I actually recently had a discussion with a, with a reader about this, and they said, well, you know, you did wrap it up, but you know, not everybody was got, you know, kind of thing. And I said, you know, I, I, I respect that opinion, but I worked in the, in the real world and, and not everybody, even if you knew they were, you know, guilty, they, they were involved. Yeah. If you didn't have it, you just didn't have it. And it sucks, you know, it, whether it was the interview or that piece of evidence or the person that wouldn't put them, uh, you know, at the scene at the time or, you know, the, whatever the detail was that didn't give you the final closure. Um, that's real world. Like, that's what happens. You know, bad guys sometimes get away. And I put those right. aspects yeah. in and some people can't handle it. They think, oh, you know, you, you left it open. No, I did that by design because that's real stuff. You know, you can't get everybody. Now but, you need that out there, man. And that's the same thing. It's either, and what happens if it comes down to a plea agreement at the end? The guy does no jail time or girl or whatever. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or, or it's the low level turd that takes the hit, right? Because, yeah. you know, whoever was above that was, was really probably primarily, you know, was responsible. And this person carried out whatever, you know, whatever particular order or whatever, you know, their, their line in the, in the pecking order was, but they just get wrapped up because they're just like low man on the totem pole. And you're like, you know that it goes further, but you can't. And so, you know, Pookie takes the hit, you know. And you know what? That is, you know, not the jump topics or anything. But when you're talking like, you know, fiction, that's why I love The Wire so much. Because there was no happy ending ever. No. And it just, kept, you know, and like the little guy gets killed or he goes, goes to jail. and The big guys keep moving on, man. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's it, There's <laughs> such a truth to that. You know, I mean, you know, you see it all the time that like. You're like, uh, uh, you know, you're like, hey, the mid-level or, you know, mid-levels we typically can pick off. But, like, you know, your upper management guys in the drug trade. Um, I know. And those guys, they live next to cops half the time. You know, you'll have a guy you know is connected and you cannot – just – there's nothing. They are they are very good about it. And they're smart and they're constantly evolving. Um, but, you know, people are conditioned. And that's you're right. The Wire was probably one of the most spot-on, um, like presentations of, you know, obviously there's some. It's dated now. Some of the things you know that are being, mm-hmm. you know, but it's still how they handle it and the way they addressed it and the character interaction and 
in the real part of that street, man, that was that was on point, hundred percent. I I'm glad you brought up the condition part, man, because that's like in everything. Everybody wants a, a happy ending, but I'm seeing a lot more nowadays, like especially with authors like you and with the military authors who have like that background or the ones that do their research. You know, there's main characters getting killed. <laughs> there's main characters that are just you, you hear them here and then they're gone. You know, it's just crazy. Yeah, I. I in my uh, in the Nick series, the Nick Lawrence series, which was my initial start one uh, start point into the writing world. And there's five books in that, and then I kind of wrapped it up at the fifth book, and then branched out into uh, into two different series. Uh, one, uh, you know, that's coming out now uh, with book two. But you know, when I had written that one, uh, I was writing book two, and I said, you know what, I think that's going to kill the main character. Like I had the the whole series, it's the Nick Lawrence series, and in book two I was gonna kill him. You know, I just felt like he got himself in a situation. I was writing it from a very raw perspective, and I said, you know what? I don't think he would survive this encounter. You know, he's dead. And then I had to do a little backtracking. I was actually talking to a to an author um, when I was writing that scene, and he's like, you might not want to kill off that guy right off the rip. <laughs> you could really offend some readers. And I have found that readers really create a personal connection to the character. So oh, that's absolutely. an interesting aspect of it, you know? That uh, only worked in one thing, and that was to live and die in L.A. <laughs> the main yeah. character, what, three quarters of the movie gets shot in the face with a shotgun. <laughs> right, like, right. What? <laughs> You're like, hey, wait a minute, what? Yeah, you can't, yeah, it, it is a... Uh, it's a process that can pro you, you kill your sequels. Um, and in the world of, of fiction writing now, you know, I mean, the, the, the reader, you know, standalones uh, are not kind of the, the, the typical norm anymore. You know, people are looking yeah. for a character thread. They're looking for a storyline to carry them through. And when you whack off, uh, <laughs> edit that one. When you whack, when you whack well, off a couple that. of your, yeah, fuck yeah, this put is, it in. This is in, man. This is in. <laughs> when you whack <laughs> off a character, it's a protector. Oh uh, yeah, you know. Hashtag throwing some porn hub links, whatever you know. Um, yeah, when you when you uh, when you kill off a main, uh, you, you kill the thread, you know. So unless you you've really mapped out why you would do it. Um, I kill a, a pretty prominent sub character in, in the third book in that series. And I got a lot of, a lot, of, a lot of hateful emails, you know, afterwards, you know, like, I can't believe you killed that character. And uh, I was like, I, I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> you know, there's, jumping into your I'll make you a new one, you know? I, uh, uh, and that's the thing. It's like, so uh, for some, the protectors took off with how many authors I've been interviewing lately. So I yeah, literally you got, have a bookshelf you, outside the, uh, the door. I'm going through all of them. I really am. And uh, they're just top-notch authors now, man. And that's and like you said, I want a series. I want to. I don't want to end it. You know, I want to keep going. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's the thing too. I mean, for for me, I you know, as the writer, I actually become like personally invested in a character. And, and I I will say this, you know, to anybody listening that is is aspiring to write. Be careful how much of yourself you put into those characters, which yeah. is so hard not to do, right? You write what you know, and as a, a ex-military and ex-police, you know, I, I put in aspects of me into those characters. But if it's too personal, and people bash that character in like a review or whatever, they just don't jive mm -hmm. with it. 
it's hard not to take it personal. You know, it's a strange thing. I had a, I had a, a, a friend of mine who, uh, who's a writer, ex uh, special force guy. And, you know, he, we had the same conversation that, you know, you, you put a lot of yourself out there too much. Sometimes, you know, you've just like, you're just, it's a cathartic experience. And you create this basically fictional version of yourself to some degree. And then people bash it. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh my gosh, you know, yeah, you're saying they hate me. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you, you temper it. You just got to put enough of yourself in, but enough of something else in there. And, and, and it and it helps kind of separate yourself from it. So, yeah. So don't do like I did and like throw a memoir at the memoir. You know, like my life's an open book. I'm like, everybody knows a lot about me. So it's, uh, it's yeah. Hard to hide now. Right. <laughs> hard to hide yeah exactly <laughs> yeah you know if I, if I throw something in i take a, a fictional smattering of like a couple bosses we'll say and 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 take bits and pieces you know who, who is it really right but if it's a yeah. if i was writing a memoir people are like hey you know that's that's you know schmo 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 you know that, that piccolo guy's nice well even though i yeah. did change and rename <laughs> that book i think except for like you know they all know who they I are even changed my wife's name and uh, my mother-in-law is like, who's this, who's this car lady? I'm like, this is funny, man. Yeah. They, yeah you know, so people can sniff it out. Yeah, exactly, man. So let's talk about the book. You have the book okay. coming out this week. Yeah. Uh, we're recording it. It's coming out. We're going to push this podcast out this week. Cause I really want to promote this. Yeah, it's cool. It's uh, so I, I uh, I've got a great publisher in, uh, in SRP, a Severn River Publishing, uh, run by uh, ex-military guys, and and who's got a great handle on it, and up-and-coming publishing house, and um, they've really been super supportive. And we talked last spring about what can I bring to the table um, as a writer, and 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 they really wanted to capitalize on my police experience, and so we we kicked around this idea. Um, and I lived in Boston for five years, and so uh, my my parents were born and raised in, in Mass. My dad, in particular, in Dorchester for thirty years, and that's where I set the story. And I use Boston PD as my, you know, as the as the city PD that 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 it focuses on, and in particular, detective. Uh, uh, book one is his first homicide case, as he is assigned to homicide, and uh, his background is a little bit similar to mine, you know, as far as he's got a. a a touch of negotiations he's spent some time in SWAT he's got uh experience in, in narcotics but now he comes as a fresh face in in homicide and then uh you know it, book one was murder board and it it really taught it, it kind of I, I think established as the series and we worked hard to create something unique and special and then uh book two comes out this week and it's titled bleeding blue uh it comes out tomorrow well, well Tuesday I don't know <laughs> I'll say I'll say the Tuesday, Tuesday, February fourth. It's coming out this yeah, week. Yeah, it comes out this week. And uh, <laughs> it was kind of a, it was a really unique book to write for me. I I did some personalized fiction, so I took some interesting aspects of my own personal life and and peppered it into the backstory that comes out um, in the in the works. And uh, you know, so it it was that was fun. Um, but then I also did, you know, some stuff, and I deal a lot in that book with. Um, there's a mob, a heavy mob backstory here, but there's also 
his interpersonal connection with his brother, who's a, a, a drug addict, um, and in particular, uh, a heroin addict. And so I, I had, uh, you know, we talked uh, when we were at, at Kyle's show, and we were doing your thing, and, and uh, I talked about stress and the things cops face. Mm -hmm. So when I was uh, coming up, my brother had a, a drug problem, not opiate-based, but uh, and then he ultimately took his life at 21. And so I created a character that is basically a shell of, of the relationship my brother and I had. But I wanted to do justice to the fact that, you know, we, we sometimes, especially in law enforcement, we get jaded, right? And in narcotics, mm -hmm. you deal with things on a constant basis. I know the things I saw and the people I dealt with. Um, but at the deeper level, they're all human beings, right? And so I wanted to create a very humanistic viewpoint of of this detective's brother, and it becomes a parallel substory that runs throughout. And it and it and in it, you know, it shows his like the Michael Kelly, who's the main character, his dedication to the job, right? But it's also his dedication to his family, and like that conflict that comes when when you're that person, when you when you bleed blue and you are a cop's cop. But you have somebody in your own family that is just train wrecking it or, you know, you've got he's got personal ties to the neighborhood and one of his best friends is a mob enforcer. And he's 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 constantly in a state of conflict, which I think personal opinion, right? It adds flavor to the book. Um, but I'm really excited about this one. I think this is. It's something uh, it, I don't know. It sounds like my life because, you know, we talked about it before. My brother. Yeah. He died. That's what he eventually died of was, you know, his cocaine killed his heart and he eventually yeah. died. But when I was working dope out in San Diego, I moved him out there to put him in rehab. So here I am working dope during a day, going after like smugglers and everything else, putting him through rehab at night. And uh, I, I don't know if I told you that story. When I, he had a friend. So my brother was hooked on coke. Yeah. Um, and then he eventually um, what happened was. I've gotten him out there and then he eventually um roommated with this one guy and this guy was hooked on a pipe. So and they were supposed to be clean. So I flipped his friend and was using him as an informant. And uh because I was a dumbass back then. And it turned out <laughs> that guy wasn't straight and he got my brother hooked on a pipe. Oh shit. shit. Yeah. By the pipe I mean crystal, you know. Yeah. Yep. So here I am, you know, get my brother because you know you can you can beat Coke a lot easier than you could beat. Oh, 100%. Mess a tricky bitch. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, man. That's brutal. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it, yeah, sure. once you have that, that's, that's, that's hard, you know? Did I lose you? I write my in corp stuff. Yeah, man. It's, it's, that's the thing is you get jaded. Trust me, man. Hold on. Losing the audio. Do I still got you? Yeah, I got you, man. I got you. Okay. Yeah, no, I, and that's such a hard thing, you know, when you're in that position of law enforcement and then you got a family member that's, so my brother, my brother took his life before I, I entered in to even the military. Um, but, you know, it, it weighs on me, right? It weighs on anybody yeah, that's experienced absolutely. that. I think it may be a better narc. Right. Uh, yeah. I, w I was good at flipping informants because in, and I'm sure you were the same way, you know them as human beings. So when you know somebody mm -hmm. at that personal level, it's very easy to you're not you can break down that wall, that barrier between cop and, and uh, drug addict. And then you can 
communicate with them as human beings and they're more likely to work with you. And you can right? sympathize, you know, that's the thing. hundred percent. Especially when it's your blood, you know? Yeah. So I, I used to, without being sappy, right. I used to see some of that in the people I dealt with right on the street. And so I was able to temper my, you know, I, I've, I've worked with cops. I'm sure you have too. That like they, they hate addicts, right? They just immediately mm -hmm. write them off. They're like dirty to them. They hate touching them. You know, I hate like having to search them, all that stuff. You know, I mean, I think, you know, I, man, there's, there's a, you know, it, it affects everyone. You know, some people Everything. are at the top of their game and get caught up in it. And now they're living under bridges, right? So to pretend like it doesn't happen to you or it's not going to happen in your family, you know, or, you know, it, turning the blind eye will never happen. You know, I think people are caught off guard by that. I think the open, we talked about when we, when we met, we were talking about police stress, right? And uh, to deal, how, how we deal with it. You know, a lot of cops pretend like those things aren't going to impact them. A lot of families say, oh, drugs will never find our home. And it's the families that aren't having those open dialogues about what could possibly happen get completely caught off guard when they do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's the thing, man, is you have to, you have to become, you have to remain human while doing uh, a sometimes inhuman like job or you're supposed to be like a robot. And uh, yeah, we got to have enough. We got to, we have to start getting that show back on the road because I really want to talk about law enforcement stress and I want it to be like a complete show because we need to get that message out there, man. Yeah, it's it's huge. I, I you know, I was teaching an instructor course this, this last week and, and in it, you know, uh, the students present and they pick their topics or they're assigned by their department, whatever. But my job is to basically mentor them into developing um, them as instructors, right? And uh, and it yeah. was it's really great that people a lot of the topic, not a lot, but a handful, were picking police stress, uh, police, you know, suicide, uh, the impact of. Um, you know, law enforcement, like, you know, it, the things we see, I call it mental plaque, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we have these, uh, yeah, like, it, it, think of it like, like, um, like getting, uh, yeah, how you get a cavity, right? You build up and, and then eventually it just rots the teeth. So if you don't scrape it away, if you don't take care of that yep. build up as it comes up or have an effective means, like, brushing your teeth right if you don't have a way of not just down in a fifth of jack right like of actually going mm -hmm. out and whether it's uh, you know having that conversation people always like to say oh i i run or i work out that doesn't clear the mind the right it's great for the body it does help the mind handle certain stressors but you really want to clear the mind and uh i uh I'm just I, uh, I got a little background noise here. Uh, you know, you want to really clear that mind. You know, you have to have to have to give yourself like, like you have to have a plan. You know, yeah. you know whether it's a little bit of meditation, whether it's conversations with friends that have been through it. But you have to have a safety network built in. I had I had, right I had uh, and people don't do it, and we're, and, and we're in a community that doesn't want to talk about the things we see because it weakens us as a person or uh, oh my i don't want them to see me as um you know this you, you know you don't want to see weak right you don't want someone to we we're awful to yeah, each other right? that alpha yeah yeah I, I have a buddy of mine that after every critical incident i've been in uh, and i've been in my share uh, uh fair share um 
I I met him for breakfast after every time uh, because he was my sounding board. He and he actually gave me information in training. Whether he didn't, he didn't even know it at the time, but three years later in an arm standoff with a guy, what he taught me, what he said to me during a training evolution saved that kid's life because I was able to give a different command that got him to drop the gun. Well, eventually led to him dropping the gun. Um, but but we you know we deep I debrief with him. Right? We don't debrief normally as law enforcement, right? No. Uh, military is good, right? After actions reviews, yeah. you know, we do them. Cops, ask ask a cop the last time they, after a good op, bad op, somewhere in between op, that they sat down and, and then went over the highs and lows and looked at, hey, what do we do well? Let's repeat that. What do we not do well? And let's make sure we don't repeat it. Let's make sure we do some training next week, next month that hits on those highs and lows, right? We Military, That's that's how the whole game is structured. But in law enforcement, we let that ride. And what happens? We make mistake after mistake. We see some bad things. We don't treat it. We get that mental plaque. And then sometimes, I mean, it takes some of the best of us, right? Always. Good people get you know eaten what? up by this. And you see it all the time, man. And it, it seems like more and more. It's like once you get away from you feel like you're slipping away from that brotherhood or sisterhood. And you just kind of like, hey, you know what? That's enough. I know. I know. I mean, yeah, it's, it's hard, man. And I, I don't know how to combat it. You know I mean? The no. conversations are healthy. Uh, keeping everybody talking. I don't know, brother. It's um, crazy. I don't know. I don't have the answer. You know what, you know what I do now? I mean, cause I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not out there, man. It's like, I can only touch the source what I teach around the yeah. state or I'm hoping that, you know, this is the downside like I, I try to get more cops to read right but like you know like i try to put it in those books and if not for the cops for the cops family yeah, those people what? that are reading it books are on escape you know 100%. how many times have we given away free books to people we know just like hey you know what jar check this author out here's a book do what do you got to do i mean you got to have an escape you have to have a sounding board a debrief there are ways to get away from the darkness 100 percent. but uh yeah, man. Yeah. So bleeding blue by Brian yeah. Shea. After after that dark talk, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I need a drink right now. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm looking at that. I'm looking at my glass of wine over there, thinking, well, we've touched the dark spot. Yeah, no, it's I'm good like, though, man. man I, but that's the I, thing, I, man. That's the that's the no, conversation that's needs thing, to happen. Man. Don't be afraid of it. No, and that's one thing I love about doing a podcast. And I I, I tell everybody to do a podcast. Why not? It gives me an opportunity to talk. Gives me an yeah. opportunity to, to meet new people or, or talk to old friends and and just get our stories out there, man, because this is a living record, and that's what I love about it, man. No, it's fantastic. I love what you're doing, man. You too, bro. Um, I expect a signed copy in the mail when this book comes out. And you got it with the check. No. <laughs> with the check, yeah. You know that, yeah. uh, that $400. No, that's kidding, it. <laughs> Brian, yeah. we can find you where? Um, uh, probably easy. I mean, the books are, uh, primarily on Amazon, on Amazon but they're also on Barnes and Noble too. The Boston crime series is on Barnes and Noble as well. Uh, my website is, uh, Brian Christopher So you can find me there. I, I threw the middle name in cause there was like a, another Brian Shea there and I didn't want to compete. You know, <laughs> I threw the old middle name in it, but, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I've got like, uh, I think, I think by 
by March, St. Patty's Day, a great day. Another another book's coming out. I, I'll have nine on the shelves at that point. Um, wow, man. So a series of five, and then I'll have two series with two, and those those are going to continue running. So check them out. You know, have a little we fun with it. We'll the links to everything. Awesome. Brian, man. thank you. Appreciate Thanks it, brother. Again, and, uh, we're going to have to have like a, a three-hour story about just stress and how to deal with it. <laughs> Enjoyed it, brother. Be safe. Thanks.